Okay. Hi, folks. Uh, welcome to another podcast, another episode of the podcast. And, uh, you know, in these challenging times, we have uh, obviously seen a lot of businesses that have been badly challenged, but we've also seen a few companies that have thrived, depending on the industry, the background, and so on. And uh, so today, we're very honored and privileged to have a guest, a very special guest, uh, none other than Dato Hafsa Hashim, whom I think many of you will know as a long-serving CEO of SME Corp. And uh, currently, she is the SME advisor for Bank Islam. So we're very privileged to have her with us, to share with us some of her insights on how SMEs can become stronger, build themselves up, maybe come back from recovery and, uh, you know, move forward with, with a stronger grit and, and better, better equipped. So welcome, Dato Hafsa, to uh, our ProfitMax podcast. Thank you so very much, Peter. Yeah, thank you so very much, Peter, for inviting me to this very wonderful session um, that we're going to have today. I, I look forward to the conversation today. Sure. Yeah. So maybe to start off, uh, Datu, you could tell us a little bit about uh, your time in SME Corp, especially, and uh, you know, tell us a bit about yourself and what, what exactly SME does and how SME has Corp has responded you not know, to to the needs and times of uh, the SMEs, challenges of the SMEs. Well, <laughs> interesting question that you have there, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I were to bring myself back into memory lane, um, I was I was in METI back then, um, okay. in, in uh, the international division, when I've been approached by the then um, Secretary General to join the team uh, to start off, um, what do you call it, SMEDEC. Which is small and medium industries development mm, corporation. Yes. And this was um, this was established in the year 1996 on the first of May. Of course, I mean, you know, first of May is a holiday, so it's second of May, um, that we were incorporated as a small and medium industries development corporation. Mm. So I until my retirement, so I've been around doing the SME bit for a good 23 years. Wow. And as you rightly recognize, and also you know, many would have recognized back then. Uh, where MIT is concerned, um, they were very much into SMI, SMI, SMI in the 1990s. Yes, yes. You hardly hear anyone talking about SMEs back then, right? <laughs> yes, yes. But primarily because MIT, by virtue of the fact, is MIT of Ministry of International Trade and Industry. They were moving at that time in the mid-90s, were very much into industrial master plan. They were very much moving into uh, what they call vendor development program for the multinational corporations of the electronic companies in Penang, for Proton, for Prodwa, for, for Telecom Malaysia, for, for, for what do you call it, um, for Tanaga National. So the, what, what they were, at that time, it was just about vendor development, mm. you see, for small businesses. And, and it was very much skewed towards, I would say, manufacturing at that time, okay. except for except for Petronas, except for telecoms and, and uh, TNB. So other than that, it was primarily purely for, for electrical electronic companies, for, for Proton and pro, for Prodwa. Mm. Uh, we, we brought along, and, and um, I recall, I want to share with you, um, that when we wrote this uh, Industrial Master Plan 2, um, for SMI development, we were only uh, given uh, nothing more than a one page. It was about four, four, four or five paragraphs on SMI development and primarily about vendor development program. Mm. 
fast forward, fast forward when when we when the government decided that they want to create a special uh, SMEDEC, which is MI Development uh, Corporation, we then saw that, hey, um, as, as, as this small businesses is not just about manufacturing, mm. not just about SMIs, but what we are missing in the whole entire equation of um, SME development are the E's, which is enterprises. And what we mean by the E's, uh, it includes ICT companies that was not taken on board back then. Mm. It mm. includes retail sector that was not taken on board back then. Um, and when I was appointed as a CEO back in 2004, um, I said, I need a database. I cannot go on imagining that, you know, how many uh, SMEs out there. And it's, you see, I believe in the principle what you cannot manage, you cannot plan, or you cannot plan. Therefore, I mean, what you cannot, I beg your pardon again, what you cannot measure, you cannot plan. When you cannot plan, you cannot manage. Yes. Because you don't have the data. Yes. Right? There never was an SME data. So in 2004, together with uh, Bank Negara Malaysia and also with the Department of Statistics, we did our first census. Mm. That was the year that I was appointed as a CEO. Okay. In 2004. Okay. 2004, I was appointed as CEO and we did our first census. So therefore, we'll be able to see really what's really out there in terms of numbers. In mm. terms of numbers, mm. yeah. So, you can see also wow, the, the specific what, what, sectors and the representation of each sector. Huh? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So we know them by size. We know what is a micro. We know what's a small company. We know what is a medium company. How many out there? Mm. We know how many in the manufacturing. We know how many in the services. How many in oil and gas? Once, you know, once and for all, we had the first data from that census of SMEs in 19... Um, sorry, uh, the year 2004 census and the results was relieved, uh, released in 2005. So that particular said to us that there are 99.2% of total business establishments in Malaysia that mm -hmm. are defined as SMEs. And this manufacturing sector that we keep on calling SMI, SMI, SMI is only 7%. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the majority... The majority of the population of small businesses are the, uh, what do you call it, uh, the services sector, out of which 43% are the retail sector. Mm, okay. Then comes the point. So who is overseeing this other than the manufacturing, other than 7%? Mm. Who is overseeing them? Who is overseeing the retail sector? Who is overseeing the ICT companies? Who is overseeing the construction sector? Then we began to develop what we call the SME master plan, ah. which brings together coordination of all the ministries, the agencies that develop that um, what we call that this uh, that, that, that they are in charge of the retail sector, construction sector. So become it becomes more structured, right? Okay. So everybody knows, for example. Um, um, what do you call it? Uh, the Ministry of um, uh, Domestic Trade, right? So mm. we shared with them, hey guys, this is the data. You actually have got under your wings 43% of the total business establishment that is mm. under your wing. 
and these are the companies da, 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 we, we showed to them we shared with them these are under your jurisdiction so let's make sure that all programs SMEs in retail are being coordinated together with the whole entire plan. Okay. So then begin that, that SME master plan uh, that we developed mm. in, in 2012. Okay. Now, only then are we able to see more impactful programs with real outcomes mm. and we're able to measure, um, what do you call it, uh, the growth of the SMEs. We are able to uh, come up with, uh, what do you call it, KPIs mm. and be able to measure innovation at SME level. Only then are we able to see how the growth of SMEs since 2004, to, to, uh, at least until um, I retired in 2018, that the SME growth have consistently outpaced the national average economic growth every year. Mm. Plus, yeah. it shows that our programs on the ground worked. It mm. shows that we are able to give in the right, uh, what do you call it, uh, solutions to our small businesses. Yeah. And it shows that we are able to um, reach out to those companies that are in need. Mm. So when you ask me about um, got my experience, that's where I, I came from, from the day um, that uh, SME Deck was created until it got rebranded into SME Corp in 2009. Mm. And until today, it's still known as um, SME Corporation. Mm. Now, the attention that is being given to SME development, I must, I must say, during my time, has been given additional focus by none other than the number one man himself, which is the Prime Minister. Mm. Um, and this is being supported by um, the Garut. Uh, at that time, the governor was uh, Tansri um, Zeti. She has got this belief that the endogenous growth of any economy of the world comes from the small businesses, i.e. Yes. the domestic companies. Right? So, and that, that component of the understanding of the word endogenous growth which is the int of the economy is being contributed by SME is so, so fundamental and so important for the government to understand. And, that, and that's the reason why um, the programs and the policies uh, for the economic development and growth has got to be supported by SMEs. Mm. Uh, you would see that in any document of the world, in any country of the world, this famous statement which says that the backbone of any economy of the world comes from SMEs. Okay. But this is where the, the understanding of the word and this growth is all about. Mm, all right? Okay. All right. So okay. yeah, so that's that's how that's how I think um, we are able to steer back then SME development and growth mm, mm. on the basis of a more coordinated approach okay. uh, with all the ministries. There are there were at my during my time there were 25 ministries all have got uh, programs for sme development including ministry of agriculture ministry of transport ministry of domestic trade all have got programs for sme development um and also their respective agencies so we work together with them hands in glove and sme become the central coordinating agency that oversees and coordinate programs for all these ministries and agencies uh, for the SMEs growth. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. 
So that's a good yeah. uh, background, Dato, good uh, background information. Um, on that point about um, covering the A to Z, the whole broad spectrum of SMEs, I just wanted to get your perspective on which are the areas. I mean, sounds like SME Corp supports the entire gamut of SMEs, right? From retail to construction to ICT to whatever you, you know, I guess to wholesale distribution businesses as well, export-oriented companies, uh, manufacturing and all. So um, is that is that how SME is, Corp is structured to support the individual uh, what should I call it, uh, clusters or classifications or industries? Or does it go by more by size of business? It goes both ways, um, okay. I would say. Uh, it goes into by size of, uh, what do you call it, of the companies as well as by the verticals. Mm. What I mean by the verticals are the industry sectors. Industry sectors, uh, yeah, okay. Each of those verticals, for example, electrical electronics or automotive or whatsoever, the different size of the companies depicts a different program that is coming through. Mm. There is no one size that fits all. You cannot give the same program or the same solution to a company that is small under automotive, the same treatment to the company that is small under retail. Okay. Right? So they require different uh, intervention. They require different uh, programs that would allow them to accelerate their growth. Okay. And, and that's why um, we have got that SME master plan that facilitates mm. and help us to be much more coordinated in providing that kind of, of what do you call it, uh, intervention to the SMEs. Okay. Um, what we say is that um, as in, at SME Corp, and I repeat the word, we are coordinating together with the respective ministries. Mm. And we ensure that all these programs in accordance to size and accordance to industry, um, they all have got uh, deliberate outcomes that comes through it. Okay. Outcome as in level of innovation must be measured, for example. Outcome um, as in uh, programs for the export market. So how do you strategize um, them to go for export, for example? Outcome that strategizes them to go into uh, expansion into the halal industry, for example. Mm. So each of those programs have got that they have uh, been given different outcomes and they have to report to us on regular basis because mm. as the secretariat of the National SME Development Council, right, where the prime minister is the chairman and the members are from the ministers of the 25 um, uh, ministries, uh, including also the um, governor of central bank, including also the director general of the each, right? So we actually um, assume that coordinating role to ensure that the various ministries who are in charge of the SME development program report to us twice a year, minimum, ah, okay. twice a year. All right. That report okay. card, that report card goes to the Prime Minister at our our uh, our meeting uh, with the Prime Minister twice a year. Mm. And, and this keeps everyone on the toes because yeah. um, budget is given to them based on the performance of those programs. Ah, budget okay. is given to the ministries and agencies based on the, uh, what do you call it, the KPIs uh, that was given for a particular program. Right. Okay. So again, I repeat, it is outcome is outcome based approach. Okay. If at all, for example, what we are seeing today that have they have got some issues 
um, in handling uh, COVID and others. So that, that's something that we, um, what do you call it? I'm sure the ministry have already approached SME Corp and they're able to uh, okay. have a relook again at the KPIs that's been given to them. So it's not something that is carved on stone. It is something that can be looked at again and revisited um, to ensure that it, that it is uh, implementable on the ground. Okay, Dato, um, before, I, uh, before I shift the question to ask you about your perception of what are the, some of the highlights that uh, SME should look at and areas soft spots that we can improve, just wanted to touch on the programs that you mentioned. No? So you were saying that programs uh, are funded by budget depending on the success of the budget from each ministry from the previous year and so on. I just wanted to also check uh, how, how does the SME COP programs dovetail or coordinate with the various other training institutions like you have InScan and Talent Corp and all these other other bodies. Um, is there overlap or is there is there some coordination? How, how does it work? Very interesting question. Um, I can only say during my time as a CEO, I don't know what happens now. <laughs> <laughs> because during my time as a CEO, back then, right? Yeah. I myself, I myself will chair um, a meeting with all the training institutions twice a year. Twice a year, I I, I do chair that meeting. Okay. Because why I chair that meeting? Because we receive a budget that, that is for capacity building, that is mm. for SMEs to undergo training at all the uh, state uh, training institutions, right? Mm. So. Uh, and and this and this state training institution sometimes take um, turns to actually host the meeting at that mm, time. Okay. So it, can be, it can be Penang Skills Development Center. We work together with the Kedah Skill Development Center, Johor mm, Skill Development mm. Center. So all these skills development centers, for information, they received the budget from us from SME Corp back then. I right? see. And that is where that is where. Um, we work, we also work together with um, a human resource development uh, corporation, right? Mm -hmm. But this is where that coordination comes in, yes. because sometimes uh, there is um, an expertise that is a very deliberate expertise. For example, in PSDC, uh, there is Penang Skill Development Center, but but that same expertise do we do not have that in Johor. So Johor requires that expertise. That's where you see. That is a cross, uh, what do you call it, mm. uh, selling mm. of expertise around the country yeah, yeah, um, yeah. through this work that we did um, under the uh, what do you call it, capacity building program. Yeah. So under I, I believe this coordination uh, is very important because otherwise you could be working across purposes, and worse still, there could be a lot of overlap, which means a lot of duplication and a lot of wastage. No. Indeed, indeed, yeah. and that's that's why and that's why this coordination of the uh, training programs across the country is being okay. held twice a year. So okay. during my time, I, I had uh, diligently, I would say, uh, checked that meeting twice a year uh, with all the skill development centers. I think we had yeah. we had good conversations. We, we we were able to measure the outcome mm. importantly of companies who have undergone training because of the fact that we measure after they completed their training, we did not forget them. This is yeah. where the Skills Development Centre are supposed to get back. We do survey um, mm. of those employees that have been trained. 
on what happened to them and how have their training been able to increase productivity in, yes. in their respective organizations. And so that yes. is so very important to us. Again, yes. I keep on repeating the word this afternoon, outcome-based, uh, yes. what do you call it, um, programs. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, excellent. Okay, so shifting gears a bit, uh, Dato, talking about the SMEs, you know, maybe you could highlight you know, one or two uh, issues or challenges that you see confronting the SME sector and what are some soft spots in the Malaysian SME landscape you know, that perhaps need improvement and further strengthening in terms of capacity building or whatever it is? I, I must say, I must say uh, one of the challenges that we had much earlier is to get our SMEs, SMEs to move online back then, pre-COVID mm. days, pre-COVID days. Right? Yes, yes. What they found it, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, increased cost to them. They didn't see it as investment, right? Mm -hmm. They don't need to go online primarily because of the fact that, you know, they're so happy having their little shops here and there and people come to their shops and they don't need to go online. Mm. Um, but I think what we're seeing today is um, digitization is actually essential and it's a commodity. Yes. Uh, and COVID have accelerated that part of uh, SME development. Yeah. Those who do, do not digitize their systems, those who do not digitize their processes, those who doesn't go online, uh, they all have been phased out uh, from this, uh, what do you call it, the word is sustainability of their businesses during COVID. Mm. And mm. post-COVID, yes. post-COVID, it will not go off. Post-COVID, this is more essential for them to do uh, what they call it, to move into a digitized uh, perspective, primarily because of this, uh, the demands of industrial revolution of, of um, the AIs, the VRs, the, the what do you call it, the, the big data all require, requires them to change differently, especially in terms mm. of supply chain management. Mm. The whole entire perspective of supply chain management has changed. Yes because of digitization. Mm. And if SMEs are not up to it, if SMEs are not prepared, if SMEs choose to ignore that, uh, what do you call it, the need to change into mm. a more, a uh, onto the digital platform, um, typically they will all be phased out of mm. uh, their business and yep. as they will not yep. be sustainable, right? Yep. So this is always this has always been the um, the the issue that we have trying to put forward pre-COVID. I recall back then, uh, Peter. Uh, I, I think it was the year oh la la, it, it was the year two thousand was it two thousand nine nineteen ninety seven ninety eight during the crisis, and here I was trying to introduce what you call ERP back. Then. Enterprise yes. resource planning or yes. the first word that came into it was uh, MRP. Yes. Right? Uh, that was actually manufacturing resource planning. Yes. I, I had a I had a big challenge in trying to convince our SMEs to move into that space of uh, ERP, yeah. MRP. Mm. They were clueless. They were clueless. All right. And yep. um, it is only the year 2001 or 2002 that suddenly there was a surge of ERP being uh, uh, mm. what, what, was the, what was the catalyst, what was the catalyst for that? What was the catalyst for that, uh, Dato? Well, we as SME Corp, we provide the grants for them to purchase the ERP. Ah, okay, okay. Right. Right. Because so, I, suspect, I suspect the same thing is happening now, you know? 
Uh, there, there was, I, I don't know, but now, I mean, what you're seeing is true. The e-commerce adoption has grown, has been pushed, accelerated by COVID. But the other aspects, you know, in yeah. terms of AI and all that, big data and all that, I, I, I hear that there's some SMEs who are a bit reluctant because of several factors. One is the funding. Uh, the, they're not sure about the return on capital investment because if you go into AI and robotics and all that, it's quite big investments. And the third one is, of course, mindset. So I'm not sure, you know, how, how can we kind of, yes, at the same time, we, we, know, we know that, you know, it's, it's like an accelerating train coming towards us. If we don't, glow, if we don't digitalize, we're going to get hit. But at the same time, there's the reality of balancing the numbers, the return on investment, the risks and all that, and the size and scale of the opportunity. So how, how do we address that kind of situation, no? Indeed, indeed it is. Uh, for as long as they look at it at expense and not look at investment, mm. they are going to be so <laughs> reluctant to move into this space. And what we are seeing today that those who have, those who were agile, those who were adaptive and quick to move into digitalized uh, mode during COVID are the ones that are sustainable in their business. Mm. They are the ones that have survived uh, the challenges of the COVID. Now, case in point, uh, what do you call it, uh, Peter? Look at all the restaurants, the chicken rice shop, whatever the whatever you call it, uh, the pizza have gone long into it. Even restaurants like uh, what do you call it, um, uh, Chef One Restaurant, uh, the Rabong Restaurant, the Chef Ismail Restaurant. All of them would didn't move into online before. They were just people come into the restaurants and they're happy. The more queue, the longer the queue. Uh, they're happy with that. Yeah. But with COVID, look at them. They're the first one that suffered. Yeah. Had they not changed back then into doing online, all right, they would have also suffered. Then you saw that they become creative. Then we saw that suddenly this chef, uh, Chef Ismail from Rabong restaurant, who who normally we take like a, a day or two to get our queue into and get into <laughs> the restaurant, right? For reservation, yeah. They, uh, yeah, to, um, you know, during the COVID days, if you recall, uh, they're the ones who have got, okay, to our menu for next week. Tuesday and Monday is, uh, what do you call it, a Kelantan menu. Uh, Tuesday is Johor menu. Can you see that they become creative? When they become creative, and then they are able to uh, provide services door to door, we are seeing a different kind of, what do you call it, restaurantier, uh, um, what do you call it, playing their game today. They, yes. It's all about survival. It's all about um, how creative can they be. It's about about agility in the business. Yeah. Right. So when they're agile in the business and they're able to adapt quickly, now we are seeing a different kind of SMEs out there that have moved forward and be able to take on the advantage of opportunities that come through COVID. Now, mm. who are the best, um, what do you call it, uh, performers during COVID? The e-hailing business. And did we ever thought of that? That e-hailing business is going to be the uh, the business that thrived during COVID? So they were very much, um, you can imagine, um, I had a, I had a discussion with Footbender um, the other day. I had a shock of my life. You know, even riders, they told me during COVID, the, the, the number of riders they had to increase was about, was it six times or 12 times? Wow. That's how many that they have during COVID. And yeah. it's about giving opportunities to others. Even, even pilots become riders, even you know, mm. professors also become riders. So what we're seeing is how, how 
the new landscape of businesses have changed uh, during the COVID days. Um, and, and this digitalized platform of a new ecosystem will stay, it will stay post-COVID. How yeah. do SMEs, how do small businesses fit into it in the name of sustainability, in the name of survival of their business, and in the name of their business growth? Mm -hmm. I want to share with you, Peter, um, last month, um, last month, um, in fact, for the whole month of October, I have, um, uh, what do you call it, been engaged by uh, this JCI uh, Junior Chamber, uh, International Chamber of Commerce, right? Yes. Um, to be a judge, to be a judge. Mm. Um, this is a, a Creative Young Entrepreneur Award uh, winner. Mm. I had 45 files that I got to complete in the, the, uh, during the judging. Um, 45 files are given to me that I have to do the, to do the, the evaluation within one month. Mm. And you know what I want to share with you? One of the characteristics that is so, so, um, what do you call it, significant, um, as we were on the search to look out for the winner award, right, is about agility. Mm. It's about digitalization. It's about, uh, what do you call it, perseverance during challenges. So what we saw, our top 10 winners have got all those important attributes. They were, they were agile. They moved into digitalization so fast, so fast during COVID, when people were down and still thinking a lot what to do next, da, 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 they quickly moved into, uh, what do you call it, uh, into um, online platform. Mm, yep. I was amazed, this young lady, um, who is our top three winner, all right. Um, you, when, you would have thought that an optician shop and optician would just do uh, a normal, uh, yes. what do you call it, uh, business as people come to the shop yes. and for, for to repair your glasses or whatever. She went online straight away. She went online straight away. Wow. And she's our top performer at that uh, young creative entrepreneur. Okay. How, how did, what I think right? if we go online being an optometrist. Exactly. So this is why she was so very creative. You never thought that, you know, being optometrist that you can go online. Yeah. And I, I just talked about restaurant business earlier. But being an optometrist, how would you want to go online when you need to check the eyesight? Da, da, da? She went differently. She went into AI straight away. She went into wow. AI straight away. So this is where you can see the adaptability and agility of businesses. She knew she had to survive. She knew mm -hmm. that she's got to do things differently from the rest of the pack, right? Yes. So that's why you, uh, that's where this kind of attributes feel. I was so very much impressed with this young lady mm. um, who is an optometrist, who, who dared to venture differently, who dared to move things differently. And I would say that she's now a trendsetter uh, in terms of the optometry business. Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, moving optometry online, that's really quite amazing, no? Yeah. Yeah, okay. because, she, because she's doing, she's making use of technology. She's making yes, use of yes. different, different yes. ways of looking at things. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. um, able to. Yeah. yeah. So, so my take, Dato, is a few qualities are needed, right? Number one, you were saying the ability to be agile, to pivot to new businesses, new opportunities when, when the trend and traditional start to flounder or being affected by external circumstances beyond your control. For example, COVID. And the third quality is being uh, very, uh, what do you call, ahead of the curve in terms of your knowledge and understanding of technology. Because I think these days, 
every business, whether you're in manufacturing, whether you're in retail, whether you're in wholesale, whatever industry, you get, you got to get to grasp with technology. And the pace of technology is moving so fast. If you don't catch on, you just be left in behind. And as, as technology becomes more and more, um, what do you call, broad-based, actually the cost of adoption becomes cheaper and cheaper, right? For example, I know a lot of programs are available for trial basis, which are free. And then, of course, if you want the higher-end services, then you need to subscribe. Huh? Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, Great. so spot on, so spot on, Peter, because this is what I, I term it as the um, future-ready enterprises. Mm, yes. If they don't have these attributes of uh, being able to anticipate, I call them, they must have the anticipatory skills of knowing what's in front of them, right? They must anticipate 10 steps ahead of mm. them. They must be aware of the environment across them, whether it is left, right, center, front and back. They've got to be able to be aware of what's happening around them in terms of competition. They've got to be predictive to um, having, um, what do you call it, uh, the tech technicalities of um, understanding even uh, how, uh, what do you call it, blockchain is all about to do their business, how AI can change their business. So they've got to be predictive using those kind of, uh, of, of, of instruments or, or software. And, and, and importantly, I think it's about the word is agility and adaptability. Mm. Um, they have to look into that because we are in what you call a VUCA world. Yes. VUCA is volatility, uncertainty, um, and then you have got, uh, what do you call it, uh, complexity and ambiguity. So in this VUCA world, as we move into 2022, we don't know what's coming on next. If you uh, read the latest, uh, what do you call it, October IMF uh, prediction uh, in terms of the world growth, um, Peter, Mm -hmm. What we saw is that 2022 uh, growth for the world is even slower than 2021. So mm. you, I, I quickly said, okay, I thought 2021 was worse. <laughs> it was, but, uh, but then what is this? 2022 is even lower. So besides Omicron, what else is going to come over you know, and, yeah, and yeah. create devastation to, to the economy? So, so apparently, this is IMF prediction, um, 2022 is going to be a slower growth, a much slower growth uh, than um, 2021. 2021, yes. um, I think the growth was 8.5%, the world growth, but 2022 prediction by IMF is only 6.5 yes. versus 8.9 versus 8.9 in 2021, 2022 is 6.5 uh, growth. Yeah, yeah. So, so then I then start to wonder what else could be the challenge in 2022. We really don't know. That's why I mentioned about yeah. the VUCA world. Volatility, yeah. uncertainty, complexity, yeah. and ambiguity. Yeah. yeah, I guess I guess it's because we came up with a lower base from 2020. So this year, we are looking at 7.5. And uh, well, we don't know whether we'll finish 7.5. That was October. Maybe the last two months, we'll be dropping it, dragging it down or whatever. But next year, 6.5. Huh? Yeah, yeah, okay. So hopefully we get back to a situation where we are more in control of things. But like you said, yeah. it's a really constantly evolving and disruptive world. And VUCA, I guess, is, is the something we have to live with. Huh? So your point about Definitely. being agile and being responsive all the time is very, very important. Huh? Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah. 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 So I guess, I guess in these yeah. times, a lot of businesses are challenged with cash flow management, no? 
And uh, that's every every entrepreneur's nightmare, you know, being in a cash flow crunch. Um, what what advice would you have for for business people to be watchful for as they recover and rebuild their businesses apart from cash flow? Yeah, I, I understand perfectly where businesses are coming from. It's all about cash flow. It's all about uh, what do you call it? How much um, financial strength that they have with them. Mm. But uh, again, as I said, do not forget that uh, doing business is beyond cash flow. It's beyond yes. just money matters. It also looks into on how well we strategize our business plan and how well we look out for opportunities out there. Mm. If we keep on our focus and attention just on the cash flow, we might not we might miss the boat of yes. opportunities that are abound. This is where I mentioned about anticipatory mode. We yes. have to move into the anticipatory mode because cash flows is a done deal for us. I think for SMEs out there, we always advise SMEs they must ensure they have got six months cash flow. All right. Now, while they maintain that six months cash flow, what would they need to do next is to move beyond that six month cash flow. And to be able to move that, they have got to do things differently. Yeah. They cannot be, it cannot be business as usual anymore. Yes. All right. Yeah. They have to be um, um, moving into that again. I'm I, I mentioned the word about adaptability, about about what you call predictability. How do Being they be more creative and more innovative? Yes. How do they get themselves aligned uh, to the demands of the new technology that's coming um, uh, mm. out there? Mm. Right. Okay. You cannot be the usual tailor shop. I'm saying about tailor shop. I want to share with you. I met this young man uh, in Clanton, uh, like about before I retired. Uh, I retired in 2018. I met this guy in 2017-2016. He just came back at that time, uh, Peter, from uh, University of Manchester, and he did uh, what they call textile technology at University of Manchester. Wow! And when he met me, when he met me, he says, "Tato, um, I need your uh, advice. Um, I have got this vision that I want to change." the batik industry in Kelantan and coming mm. from a young guy. Mm. Wow. That is something, a great thing that you want to do because he he was sharing with me that the Kelantan batik industry is very much, uh, yeah, it's hand-painted, but with this kind of new technology, he shared with me, uh, this is what he wants to do. I said, okay, uh, can you give me a briefing? What is your plan? So he already have for this new batik industry, the whole entire Kelantan, what, what he wanted to do, to the year 2025. Repeat, I had discussion with him in 2017. Wow. He already draw what he's going to do until 2025. Mm. And guess what, Peter? Guess what? When mm. I walked into his shop, right, he was already using AI. He was able to tell me what is my measurement, what dress I wear, size M or whatever, right? <laughs> he's able to tell me what size I wear. He's able to tell me what colors I like, and he's able to tell me from my eyes whatever that he can read from my eyes. And this is using <laughs> the software of AI. Wow. And you see, what I'm trying to say is this is a kind of revolutionary, um, what do you call it, uh, technological um, changes that we are looking at for tomorrow. Yes. And, yes. and this is again, I, I mentioned about being aware. You got to be aware of things are changing around us, left, right, yes. center, back, and front. Yes. Things yes. are changing. We yep. cannot sit and do things business as usual. Yeah. Right? 
So the status quo, the status quo will not last, right? You just stay on doing the same thing, you'll get blown away, yeah. Yeah, if Peter walks into his shop, he will tell you, Peter, you are wearing size this, 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 and this is your colors, right? You like this kind of color. That's how he's able to tell. This is a kind of conversation that he's already having with me back then in 2017. Yes, yes. So the year is coming to 2022. Fast forward yeah. from 2017 to 2022, I've not yet met this guy again yeah. because I'm really tired. Believe yeah. you me, I don't know whether he has done according to the plan that he wanted to do to revolution yeah. the batik industry in, in, in Kelantan. Yeah. But it's, it's this a great is what story, we you know, that all, yeah. We need, this is what we need to observe. What did, uh, what do you call it, uh, Anthony and, and Linda Tan did differently to create grad? Yeah. What did Nadim, the minister? education did differently to create Gojek in Indonesia and what did this young boy who came back from Manchester University is going to do to the butter industry watch out for these guys watch yeah. out for these guys because yeah. they are the, 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 the what do you call it the, the, the change yeah. agent um, yes. that is going to revolutionize the way yeah. how businesses will be conducted in the future and yeah. that's why I said be future ready at all times at all yeah. times yeah. you need to listen you need to watch with your eyes and you need to actually participate uh, in conversations with this with this kind of breed of new youngsters yes yes <laughs> yeah that's actually a fantastic story you know and i think if i have one piece of advice for the entrepreneurs especially the established ones is to make sure you have a continuous flow of new and young people come into your your business no because these are the guys with the new ideas, they know the trends, they know the technology, they understand it much better, and they're more agile and they can move faster, no? Yeah. Indeed, indeed, Peter. I want to share with you as I move into that direction slowly, um, uh, in my retirement age, you know, and I, I've been I've been also exposed recently. You're too energetic to retire, <laughs> Dato. <laughs> as I move into this, this, this what do you call it, uh, this, the, yeah, in, in retirement uh, phase, this this lady who came to see me like two weeks ago, you know, we were looking, we were talking about we were having a casual conversation about personality traits. Mm. And guess what? This lady, all right, she has got this software with you and I having a conversation. In less than ten minutes, she will generate a report about my personality trait using AI. Wow! This is what is moving into uh, Peter. This okay. is what is moving into using yes. AI, using big data. Yeah. Uh, using analytics, you know, yeah. uh, and, and uh, it's, it's all so overpowering. If we are not into it, we will be displaced from the whole entire equation. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, this is how people and get disrupted. No? It will be irrelevant and then you will see Hafsa becoming a dinosaur. Yes, yes. And, and this, is, <laughs> this is not only particular to SMEs, right? Because you see the big giants, the former names, the former giants like Nokia and Kodak and Toys R Us, they were all disrupted and they are huge companies. These are people that were market leaders, dominant market leaders, and still they, they are no more on, this, on the planet. And, and what causes that? Because they refuse to change. Yes. They say yes. they are market leaders. They, yes. they think they were doing things right. Yes. yes. Right? So when they, they didn't see the change, trends coming and they didn't adapt. Exactly. So the market takes over. They've been displaced out totally from the market. So okay. just watch out for that signal. Watch out for that signal. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> so it's been a great pleasure talking to you, Datu. Thanks for sharing all your points. And before before we bid before we bid our goodbye, 
Uh, maybe one last question. No? Would there be one or two pieces of advice that you want to give to the SME sector? Or well, people I'm in business in general? Yeah. I, I, will keep on, I will keep on saying the same thing, this message that watch out uh, for what is coming in the future. And that's why you have to be future ready. Be anticipatory. Be able mm. to know 10 steps ahead of the rest of the pack where that is going to lead you to. Be aware of what's around you. Right? Be able to be predictive and knowing how to analyze your business plans uh, thoroughly and importantly, be agile and be adaptive. Okay. Thank you so much, Dato. I think that's been very enlightening. Thanks for spending this time with us. <laughs> and uh, those of you who are following our Profit Max podcast, this is season two, and I look forward to interviewing more people and to bring you great insights from industry leaders like Dato. And uh, please like, subscribe, and share our channel so that we get more followers and let the message reach more people. Because these are very good insights from industry leaders. And we're trying to help everyone during this period. So thank you, everyone. Everyone. Bye. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you. Have a good new year.